All right. Wives, do this. If your husbands are sitting next to you, do this real quick. Does your husband have a lot of stuff? <laughs> no, or wait a minute. You see them two big trailers out there? We know how much stuff we have. The reason you did this is till you can't poke him. Because those ribs get sore after a while. We have four garages full of stuff. And I was gonna, then I was going to say, now wives, how many of your husbands have stuff? And you have to do this. And my wife is not here, so we can't, I mean, I won't pick on, but do we have stuff? As Americans, we have stuff, don't we? We have more stuff than we know what to do with. Some of you aren't agreeing with me. I guarantee you, you're not going to take it in that U-Haul. One, all your, you'd have to have a pretty big U-Haul, Jim, from what Kathy tells me. It's stuff. Is it important stuff? Job related. Yep. You know, you know, I'm glad I'm glad he said that. I unloaded I unloaded seven toolboxes yesterday at the house. And several of those big flip top containers, and the whole bed of my truck is full of stuff. But when we needed a screw yesterday for something, I went out, flipped the top open, opened a box of screws, and we had screws. I have more na I have enough nails to and screws to completely rebuild this whole house. I don't have to go buy screws or nails. I I found electrical outlets, and you're saying seven toolboxes. There are actually twelve of those toolboxes, and I didn't buy one of them. I didn't buy a single thing that's inside of them. A pastor friend of mine used to do uh, building maintenance for an apartment complex, and when he retired, he said, I have some tools I want to give you. I thought he was talking about a few tools. I mean, I got a nice air compressor out of it. Uh, I got a DeWalt cordless, 18-volt cordless drill, sanders, saws. All kinds of stuff. And it's stuff. And if the Lord takes me home before I finish this house, somebody else has to figure out what to do with this stuff. Because that's what it is. But we try to get a lot of stuff here, don't we? But how much good is it going to do us? 1 Timothy chapter 6. We are going to finish 1 Timothy someday. Verse 6, and I've got this highlighted in orange. It says, now godliness with contentment is great gain. Are we content with what we have? You know, too many people today are not content with what they have. It's always, I need a bigger house. I need a bigger car. I need, if you get a raise at work, what do you do? You spend it. Right? How many of us... We get a raise, we say, oh, we're going to set this aside for the future. Oh, we spend it. Right? But it says that godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, 
And it is certain we can carry nothing out. What did Job say? Anybody remember what Job's response was? And he said it early on. Job chapter 1, verse 21. Well, let's go back to... This is after he's heard about the tragedy in verse 18. While he was still speaking, another came and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, and suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshipped. And he said... Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Can you imagine? If you were here Wednesday night, we were so blessed by a southern Filipino. <laughs> you had to, y'all had to be in here to understood what? I can't even say it. Don L. Don L's from the southern Philippines, and he's he's been doing a lot of his preaching and debutation in the south, and so and it just it just kind of flowed out, and I had to listen real carefully because I'm not used to southern Filipino. But he was talking about Job and all that Job went through. But what does Job? Is he content? He's in mourning, but he says, blessed be the name of the Lord. We brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Contentment, or inner sufficiency, that keeps us at peace in spite of outward circumstances. We all go through tough things, difficult things. But where is our peace? Where is our contentment come? When you get down and think, oh, woe is me, I can't deal with this, read Job. Look what Job dealt with. Philippians chapter 4. And most of us can quote, 4.13, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But look what Paul says in verse 11. He said, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am in to be content. And if you look at Paul's life and all that Paul went through, he said, I was content wherever I am. Can we be that contented? He says, for I have learned in whatever state I am there within to be content. No matter what God brings our way. We depend so much on material things. But is it going to last? I was climbing in the bed of my truck this week and I tore a hole in my jeans. Now these are my skinny guy jeans. I still fit. They're what we bought when I got out of the hospital last year. 
And I had to go to Slim Fit because nothing else would stay up. Hard to believe now, isn't it? But I tore a hole in them. And you know what it said to me? A pair of jeans. Of course, I tear, I tear my jeans all the time. Sharon just has gotten used to it. But they don't last. They're not made to last. If they made jeans to last, they'd go broke. They don't want them to last. They want you to keep coming back and buying them. But all of that stuff is just temporary. A person who's dependent on things for contentment and peace will never have contentment and peace. Apart from Jesus Christ, we cannot have that peace. From Dr. Dr. Rodmacher's book of illustrations of a, in the Bible commentary, it said, Godliness without contentment would be a joyless and legalistic righteousness. Contentment without godliness describes a person sadly disconnected from God's truth. Did you get it? Did you get it? I read it about ten times before I finally figured out what he was saying. Godliness without contentment would be a joyless and legalistic righteousness. Contentment without godliness describes a person sadly disconnected from God's truth. What does God promise us? What does he promise us? When we die, what, what do we have to look forward to? Heaven. But what about it? Why do we want to go to... Anybody not want to go to heaven? That's how I got saved. My vacation Bible school teacher said, if you don't know for sure whether you're going to go to heaven or hell, because there's only two places you can go, and if you're not sure where you're going to go, and you don't want to spend eternity in hell, raise your hand. Well, I was little. I didn't want to go to hell. So I raised my hand. Snatched me out of the seat, took me to the preacher's office, and he shared how to be saved with me. What are we looking forward to? We're looking forward to being God's presence. And I'm not sure why we need mansions. And it's actually translated more, it's probably more of an apartment building. But what's the foundation? What are we going to be walking on? Gold. Streets of gold. God doesn't need you to bring your U-Haul full of stuff. It's all taken care of. The rich man wanted to, got to heaven, got to the pearly gates, and asked St. Peter, says, would it be okay if I go back and get one more thing? Or one thing? Peter says, what do you want to go back for? And he said, just one thing. And he said, well, what is it? And he says, I want to get my gold. St. Peter looked at him and said, what does God need more pavement for? You know, we put so much trust in all that stuff. And it's all temporary. Verse 7 says, We brought nothing into the world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out.
when our spirit leaves this body, it can take nothing with it. How many of you know J. Vernon McGee? Y'all need to get out more. Of course, he's, he's with the Lord now. But Dr. J. Vernon McGee was very famous in the Los Angeles area. Uh, there's actually even a Bible Institute still going on in Los Angeles that he started. And he said in his commentary, do your giving while you're living, then you'll know where it's going. I'm not going to ask you, but I hope you have a will. Because if you don't have a will and you die, the government's going to take most of it. If you have a will, they're going to get their share, then the kids, the grandkids, and whoever else you're leaving it to is going to get it. But McGee's, McGee says, do your giving while you're living. Then you're knowing where it's going. Think about it. What do we need? We have several basic needs in our life, right? 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 8 tells us what we need to be content. It says, having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. Not all the stuff. You can't hardly go through our basement right now because we've been collecting stuff that we're getting rid of in the basement. Because we don't know what else to do with it, but pile it up in the basement. We don't need all that stuff. Don't, Kathy, you need to move over a seat. Jim's ribs are going to hurt. <laughs> they just moved, and they figured out how much stuff Jim, how much they have, because they are together. So, but what, what's God promise us? It says food. We have to have food to, to live. And clothing. And some commentators say clothing is, also includes shelter because we need shelter to live. Basic needs. A miser without food would starve to death counting his money. And there's a story about a, a, a simple Quaker who was watching his neighbor move in with all the furnishings and expensive toys that successful people collect. The Quaker finally went over to his new neighbor and said, Neighbor, if ever thou dost need anything, come to see me, and I will tell thee how to get along without it. And Henry David Thoreau, a naturalist in the 1800s, reminded us that man, a man is wealthy in proportion to the number of things he can afford to do without. Verse 8 of 1 Timothy 6, Having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. That word drown refers to being drugged down to the bottom. We have more and more and more things we think will make us happy. 
How many of you ever, I, I've never been, I don't ever want to go, and I'm not, not at, but who goes to psychiatrist? Wealthy people, because they're not content. They got all these problems, they need all this help, so they go pay somebody a whole lot of money to tell them what the, is wrong with them. We could be content with what God's given us and what we have from Him. For the love of money, verse 10, is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Too often riches lead us into a trap. We have a young man, I was sharing with Dave yesterday, a young man that we've known since oh, he was about that big. He's on Facebook a lot. And the other day, I don't know where he was standing, some street corner, big tall buildings around him, and I couldn't see much different dress shirt, tie, pants. And he said, fine clothes on a man are like lingerie on a woman. And here's a kid whose dad is a senior pastor of a church. His whole desire is money. Everything he posts is about how much money I'm making, and he closes out almost every one of his posts with six-figure income. You know, they put that little, whatever you put on the end of your thing. Huh? That must be what it is. I don't do much Facebooking and stuff, as you can tell. Six-figure income. And that's all. This kid was so gifted. He still is. He just isn't using his gifts to, for God. But growing up, he was going to go to Bible college and become a pastor. And somewhere his mind flipped that he needed wealth and that that was going to make him happy. But once he started, he got a big fancy car. I don't remember what it was, but it was a big fancy car. And then he went and bought his wife a big fancy car. Now you know what he wants? A bigger, fancier car. He wasn't content with this big, and it was some really expensive car. And the other, he showed a picture of his new watch. I don't, I don't wear a watch. I very seldom ever wore a watch. But I got to think this was a Rolex from all the gold and stuff on it. And you know what? When it quits working, it's just going to be a piece of junk that gets thrown in a drawer. Because it is not going to last. Too many of us know the price of everything and the value of nothing. We have so many luxuries. We were in Africa, I don't remember what year it was, but a doctor, a skilled surgeon, would make $300 a month. If you've listened to some of these young Filipino guys that are going back to the Philippines, they're tr they, it sounds like they're raising a lot of money, but they'll tell you, well, yeah, I'm going to take on four or five other guys to train them to go out and start churches, and I'm going to support them. They're not just trying to raise their support. They're trying to raise support for four or five other young preachers to go out and share the gospel around the world. They can live on almost nothing.
The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Depends on what we do with our money. Is, it, is that what we worship? Do we worship the living, true and living God? And then Paul reminds Timothy, but you, in verse 11, but you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life to which you were called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. You think Paul was a little concerned that Timothy might be worrying too much about money and getting stuff? What's he, what's he telling? Flee those things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness, and then fight the fight. Do what God's called you to do. We can't take it with us. We need to continue to seek God's direction and guidance in each one of our lives. I like verse 7. We brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. Father, we thank you that you do supply for us. Father, we just need to trust you, rely on you, be content with what you've given us. We know that each one of us are, are going to enter into eternity at some point. Father, my prayer is today that if there's someone here that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, that today might be their day of salvation. And Father, we, we know from your word that you promised to supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory. It doesn't say all the things that we want to have, but all the things that we need. And Father, we do pray to continue to just meet the needs of each person that's here this morning. Father, help us to continue to keep our focus on you that our desire will be to please you in everything that we do and say. And then, Father, that we might share the truth of your word with those that we come in contact with this week, that, Father, we might see people come to know you as their Lord and Savior through our testimony. And, Father, we just pray for the outreach here at the church, that, Father, that everything that we do will be focused on you, not focused on riches, not focused on building, but focused on you. Lord, we just pray these things in your most precious name. Amen.